All right, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to look together again into the book of Nehemiah this morning. And if you don't have your Bible with you, that's okay as well. You can use your phone and look it up on there. I'm not going to read all of Nehemiah chapter 3, but that's where we have reached. And so our, uh, our title or our topic this morning is, appropriately, Building Liberty. Because if you remember, uh, as I said at the beginning, our summer focus together is building and gathering, and we're learning from the book of Nehemiah how God wants us to be the church, to create a safe place for people to gather to encounter God uh, and to go deeper with God. And Nehemiah is working in a time of great trouble and great distress, which, of course, is equivalent to our world today. There is much to be troubled about if you look only at the world. But when we look at God, there's a lot to be uh, thankful for and also a great deal for us to do together as the family of God to build a safe place uh, for people to enjoy liberty. And so we're talking about building liberty on the 4th of July weekend, which is good timing, isn't it? It was an accidental timing, but that's what we're doing. So uh, Nehemiah sees a city that's restored, even though the city is currently all broken down. And it's important that we take care to see what God is doing and not just the state of our world. And I want us to look today at some of the lessons we can learn from Nehemiah. Because what he does is he rallies the people to build this place of liberty. And that's in line with our vision for this church. We're one church among many, but our vision for this church family is that we be a safe place uh, a place that, that is a safe church family, a place of equipping, a place of healing. Um, we embrace that challenge. I talked about it last week. The challenge of developing each individual's God-given uniqueness, because every one of you is unique. You may nod. Yeah, you know you're unique. There's nobody like you. God knew what he was doing when he made you, and he wanted you to be who you are the way you are. So we embrace that and we want you to develop fully into who God made you to be. But we also know that God designed each of us to be drawn together and built together and woven together into a church family so that everybody benefits. So we need you to be you, but we need you to be you with all the rest of us. And you need that for your own sake as well. And that's what Nehemiah is doing and what we're reading about together as we look into Nehemiah together. We're called to build and we're called to gather. And we're looking at Nehemiah chapter 3 today. In fact, I'll probably touch over into the beginning of chapter 4 as well. Um, but we're looking at chapter 3. So if you want to have that open, we're going to talk about principles for building. What are the foundational principles for us as we seek to build something safe for God's people to be gathered into? That's what our business is as a church family. The first thing that I want you to see from here is that the building process, as God blesses the building process, he creates fortification, a place of safety, out of rubble. So if you look around and you think the world looks like rubble, (laughs) 
That's okay. Because God builds fortification out of rubble. <laughs> that is actually part of the wall of Jerusalem, I believe. I can't prove it, but I think it is. I looked for a photo. <laughs> and you see how there's all kinds of bits and pieces in the lower part there where maybe that's what Nehemiah built. I don't know. But it builds out of rubble. God builds us back together when it looks like everything's broken and burned. That's good truth for us to remember, isn't it? Okay. God builds us even if we feel like rubble. Where do I get the proof of that? It's in the beginning of chapter 4, verse 2 and verse 10. They're talking about, oh, there's too much rubble. But God is building a wall out of rubble. Now, I don't, maybe we could take a show of hands. I would certainly raise my hand for this. Who feels like their life looks a bit like rubble from time to time? Yes. From time to time to time to time to time, depending on how long you've been on this planet, yes. And I've been on this planet a while. So there's rubble, isn't there? Yeah. Stuff gets broken. Stuff gets knocked down. We, beget, we, we see what a mess we've made. It's good news this morning. God likes rubble because he builds fortifications out of rubble when he's got people who work with him. So I recommend to you that you be a person who works with God so God can build walls from your rubble. Second principle for building is that if you look in uh, chapter 3, verse 1, Eliashib the high priest rose up with his brothers the priests and they built the sheep gate. So leaders go first. They rise up and, and lead the people. And I want to encourage you to be a leader because you are. You might say, oh, no, I'm not a leader. Yes, you are. If you're breathing, you have someone you can lead, even if it's only you. And sometimes I feel like the only one I can lead is me. That's okay, right? But you can lead you. And here's a funny thing I've discovered. As I lead me, other people follow. Other people follow when we lead ourselves. But I encourage you to lead yourself in rising up and building. So when you wake up in the morning, instead of going, oh, it's Monday or whatever... <laughs> This Monday won't happen, maybe, but other Mondays, yeah. <laughs> maybe some of you do have to work tomorrow. But instead of going, oh, another day, lead yourself. Wow, here is another day where God can build walls out of rubble. Let's see what God is going to do. It was the leaders who rose up first. But then everybody joined in. If you glance through the chapter... If you get bored with listening to me, you can read the chapter. But there's all these different people doing their bit to build the wall. You know, there's, there's, there's perfumers are listed. I've never met a perfumer, but hey, why not? Yeah? But those are people who work with little drips of oil and little scents and little dainty stuff to make beautiful fragrances. And they're building the wall. Because the wall needs to be built. Now you may say, oh yeah, this whole thing of making a, a safe place for people, that's not my thing. Yes, it is, because it needs to be built. You may be skilled in really delicate detail stuff, and God's calling you to something bigger, where you're drawing loads of people together for them to be a safe church family. 
or for them to become more healed and their rubble to be built into a wall. It may be that God's saying to you, here is a task or here is a challenge. Will you join in? And you're like, oh, no, I'm a goldsmith. I just do this fine detail stuff. Or, or, I mean, there's all kinds of people in here. I just picked out the perfumers and the goldsmiths because they sounded like unlikely people to be building the wall. If you in your heart say, oh, I don't qualify to be part of what God is doing, I want you to challenge that thought. Because God uses everybody and God wants everybody to be part of the rebuilding. If the perfumers and the goldsmiths can build the wall, so can you and I. There's a place for everyone, and everyone does their part. Each person or each family does their part in this chapter. We'll unpack that a bit more in just a second. But everyone does their part. And so my challenge to all of us this morning is, God is building something in this day, in this region, in this church family. God is building something. My question for my own heart and for your heart too is, will I do my part? Will I join in? And I tell you, my answer is yes. I trust your answer is yes as well. Um, But what will God do as we say yes? Let's see what it looks like for me to do my part. Because there are many different parts, (laughs) as you see in the picture there. We all have a different part to play uh, in the building of the wall. But I want to do my part. And I want to focus on how we do our part in in four areas this morning. We'll cover them briefly. I want to think about my work, my time, my finances, and the whole area of community. How do I do my part in those four areas? Because I believe God has a purpose for every one of us. Now, already some of you are thinking, well, I don't have a work (laughs) that's okay, we'll cover that in just a second. Or you may say, I don't have enough time, we'll cover that in a second as well. (laughs) I hope you're not saying I don't like community, because the fact that you're here shows that you do. (laughs) Okay, and uh, finances, oh gosh, you know, the church talks about finances, oh no, you know, they just want my money. No, I don't want your money, I want you to understand God's principles for how all of this works, and how I've learned to do my part, and how you can do your part in what God is building. So let's jump in and think about work for a moment. This comes from the beginning of of chapter 3 here. All of them step up to work, don't they? (laughs) And God has a plan for your work and my work. But God's expectations for work are very different from the way the world sees work. And it's important that we recognize that, and it's important that we adjust and refocus on God's expectations. So, my work builds the kingdom of God. Why didn't you say that with me? My work builds the kingdom of God. Now, some of you are thinking, how does that work, Mark? (laughs) You know, I... Arrange Well, I pick on Nancy because I, I, I do auto glass phone calls for people. How does that build the kingdom of God? Well, it does because you are a child of God. And the way you do it demonstrates the kingdom of God. All right? So, or I pick on somebody else. There's a lady here with a patriotic scarf on. I teach piano. How does that build the kingdom of God? Well, it does because you are a child of God. 
and the way you teach piano demonstrates the kingdom of God. You can apply that to all of you. You know, um, who else can I pick on? I'm just scanning the crowd here. <laughs> I'm going to pick on Jeannie because she's right there waving and smiling. <laughs> I volunteer at the hospital. How does that, A, is that my work? Yes, it is. <laughs> you may not get paid for it, but it's your work for sure. But how does that demonstrate the kingdom of God? Because you're a child of God, and the way that you volunteer, the way you greet people, the way you help them, demonstrates the kingdom of God. Same for every one of us. Whatever work I do builds the kingdom because I'm a child of God. Same for you. Well, whatever you do, wherever you are, whatever happens... Even if it all comes crashing down, thank you, Nancy. That was a very good, very good demonstration. <laughs> Your work, my work, demonstrates and, and builds the kingdom of God because God doesn't distinguish. Here's the important thing for you to catch God doesn't have secular employment and then holy employment. Amen. Hallelujah. That's why Jane and I don't like the P word around here. Yes, we lead this church, but we don't really like to be called the pastor because here in the South, the pastor is the holy person who doesn't do anything else. Well, we don't fit that mold. A, we're not holy, and B, we both do other stuff as well because we don't want to be the professional Christians who get paid to do nothing apart from talk to you. Does that make sense? Okay. Priscilla and Aquila... And the Apostle Paul started a church in Corinth. This is in Acts 18. And they made tents while they were starting the church. Because that was the work they were trained to do. That was the work they could do. It was hot in Corinth while they're making tents. Presumably six days a week. <laughs> they're making these tents in the city of Corinth while they start a church. And Paul keeps wiping his brow with these rags and throwing them away. And people pick them up and they take the rags to somebody who needs healing and they put the rag on the person. The person gets healed. Paul's still making tents, but his sweaty rag is used by God to bring healing. That's pretty good, isn't it? I mean, people would be interested in God today if there was more of that stuff going on. But guess what? It is going on. The way you deal with phone calls at the hospital, the way you answer uh, people who, who are uh, arguing with you in the, in the grocery store, whatever it may be. Yes, exactly. You know, at the skating rink, you're doing the DJ thing. It's not just the DJ thing. <laughs> The kingdom of God comes through God's people who work to build the kingdom. So what does Nehemiah teach us about the way we work? I think we've established that whatever work you do, especially if you're a mum who stays home and has to work at raising children, <laughs> just seeing that there's a couple of those in the room as well, okay? It's not that you don't work, it's that you work harder than the rest of us. <laughs> Because it's a very significant work. My work builds the kingdom in three ways. And if you wanted a Bible reference to look up to, to study this further, I would send you to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 about building with gold and silver and precious stones, building with valuable components and not with hay and straw and such. First thing is that there's no excuses. So I don't excuse myself from the kingdom. 
In verse 5 of Nehemiah chapter 3, it says that the, uh, where is it? The, the Tekoites repaired the wall, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. They made excuses. And they get mentioned as, mm, no, let's not do that. So don't make excuses. But to step in and to play my part in what God is building. The second thing is that I build where I'm placed. Because you see, many, many times here, there are people who make the repairs in front of their house. So this is my bit of wall. This is my assignment, if you like. And I'm going to build what I can build right here with other people either side of me. But I'm going to build where I'm placed. So wherever God has placed you, that's where he wants you to build. I meet so many people who say, oh, well, I wish I was you know, in ministry well, you are in ministry. You're breathing. <laughs> if you're breathing, you are in ministry. Say that to the person next to you. <laughs> okay, you are now all commissioned as ministers of God <laughs> to build where you're placed. Right in front of your house, it might be rubble. You might think your job doesn't have any significance to it or any value to it. But where you're placed is where God wants you right now. Build the kingdom. And then secondly, you'll see that some of these people do more than one section. So be willing to do a bit more. <laughs> That's another important factor about my work. Be willing to go the extra mile. Be willing to do something a little extra. Maybe it's somebody who wants to talk after the shift has ended. Or maybe uh, it's, it's a boss who wants you to do a little something extra. And you can, you can demonstrate the values of the kingdom in the way we work. Because work is part of God's plan for building a place that's safe for the kingdom to come. So we're building a place of liberty here at Catch the Fire Myrtle Beach. We want this to be a place of liberty. So let's pause for a second and just close our eyes and say, God, where in this picture have you placed me? What have you assigned me to? What is in front of my house? What is the place I belong? And how can I build your kingdom there? I believe that for some of you, God's dropping thoughts and ideas into your heart of something maybe that you're already doing and he wants to affirm you and confirm it for you. Or for others of you, it's something you thought, oh, I hadn't thought of that. That neighbor had never come to mind before. Let me see what God wants to do. I'll go and visit or I'll go and bake him a cake or something. I don't know. But whatever God puts in your heart, take note of it because the work that God has placed you in in your place to do is what he wants to use to build the kingdom. Second area I want to talk about us uh, taking our place and doing our part is with our time. Because all of us have the same amount of time. Had you noticed that? Your clock on your phone goes exactly the same speed as my clock on my phone. I used to say your watch goes as fast as my watch, but I haven't worn a watch in years now. But <laughs> the time goes the same speed for all of us. And my time, here's what I want you to catch. Whenever I do what God is doing, my time becomes kingdom time. 
You see, the world says that my time is my own. And also, particularly in America, we tend to have the view that the more I fill my time, the better. The busier I am, the more valuable I am. That's why we don't have much vacation, right? Because my value is in doing and filling my time. But God gave all of us exactly the same amount of time. And I want to fill my time God's way. You see, when Jesus was on this earth, he showed us what God's way looks like. He said, this is John 5, verse 19, I only do what I see my Father doing. So the way Jesus filled his time was, what is Father doing and how can I join in? Now, I'm not saying that you don't do all the things you need to do. You know, if you're a mum and the kids are wanting dinner, <laughs> you don't need to pray about what does God want you to do. <laughs> if you're an employee and your boss has assigned you a task during your working hours, you don't need to pray about what God wants you to do. But every one of us has time in our day and time in our week where we can say, God, what are you doing and how can I join in? And when we take that step, we find ourselves in opposition to the world's way of operating time. The world says we should fill our time with stuff and things and distractions and whatever. But whenever I pause and say, God, what are you doing? And I want to do what you're doing. Then I'm doing what we see several times in this chapter where people build gates they build the gates in the wall. And the gates are there so that things can be kept out and things can be let in. More specifically, the gates in the wall are for people to come in through, but for sin to be kept out. And in the way you and I look at our time, we want to make room for the people God wants to bring into our lives, but also to make sure that anything that distracts us from God or leads us away from him is kept out. And so I want to commend to you that you have the same uh, attitude as Nehemiah. And this is a little further ahead in Nehemiah. You jump ahead to chapter 13. You'll see in verse 19 that Nehemiah gave a command that they shut the gates during the Sabbath. In other words, that they protect some time for God. Now, I'm not suggesting that you should be legalistic because some of these laws uh, kind of lost their rigidity in Jesus. But what I am saying is that every one of us has gates in our life to do with our time of what do I let in and what do I keep out? Another important principle I want you to remember is that in Revelation 21, verse 25, it says that the gates of the new Jerusalem will never be shut. God's heart is for the gates to always be open for his people to come in. So I want to be sure I live my life in such a way that there's always time for the people God is sending or wants me to be a blessing to, there's always room for that 
uh, open gate in my life. And the third thing I want you to see about your time is that this description in chapter 3 covers the whole of the city. The whole of the perimeter of the city is being rebuilt. And God has his arms, as we were singing earlier, he has his arms around us to ensure that every detail of your life and my life is surrounded with his presence. So let's pause again, thinking about our time. Let's close our eyes and say, in your heart, just echo this. Lord, you've given me 168 hours in every week. <laughs> it's your gift to me. 24 hours in every day. 10,000 minutes a week. More than that. So is there anything that you want me to close the gate on? Is there something this morning that you want to speak to me about that I need to close the gate to make time for you? Or likewise, Lord, is there anywhere that you want me to go help others? You want me to open the gate in order to let others come in to your family and into your kingdom? How do you want me to spend my time? And what are you doing that I can join in with? I want to play my part. And I need your help that I would do that effectively. So I give you my time because it's a gift from you. Would you lead me and guide me in my time usage? in my time investment, in Jesus' name. The third area where every one of us can do our part is with our finances. I want to be very careful here because I don't want any of you to hear that this is the pastor asking you to give your money to the church. What I want for you is that you understand God's financial system. And I'm going to talk about this a lot more next week when we look at the opposition that we face when we're building something for God. We're not going to really look at the opposition today. But in Matthew 6, 21, Jesus said, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so God wants us to manage our financial lives in a way that reflects where our heart is. And he wants us to take care that we don't get caught up in worrying about money because that draws our hearts away from him. The world's message is that my money is my money and there isn't enough of it and I need to make sure I get more. Right? That's the message that we're surrounded by. But God's message about money is totally different. It's the opposite. God's message about money is I want to bless you. I want to give you everything you need and more so that you've got more than enough to give away to other people. And then he also says that that first 10% of what he blesses me with belongs to him so that I can show that I'm still trusting him. <laughs> so if God gives me a $100 bill, he wants a 10 back. So I can say, yeah, I, I, I know you're going to give me another 100 when I need it. Here's my first 10 back again. That's called tithing. <laughs> it's the first tenth of what God blesses me with. And what it is, is a test of my heart. How is my heart in this? 
And Jamie, I forgive me, I forgot to make sure beforehand that you were willing to share your story in a minute, but I'll call on you in just a second. <laughs> There's a bus coming and Jamie's going under it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I had talked to her before, but I hadn't confirmed this morning that she was ready to do this. It's a test of my heart, Matthew 6, 21. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So that giving of a tenth back to God is seen first off in Genesis chapter 14, when Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram. And he said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. You see, Abram has just had this great victory where the enemies tried to steal what Abram and his, his household had, and they went and got it back. <laughs> and they won the victory because God was with them. And this guy Melchizedek, the king of Salem, which is Jerusalem, <laughs> brings out bread and wine, what we just did this morning, what Jesus used as a picture of himself. And he brings out the bread and wine and says, here's more blessing than you could contain. And God will deliver your enemies, has delivered your enemies into your hand. And then it says, and Abram gave him a tenth of everything. So Abram's response to being blessed was to give back the first tenth and keep the rest. That's pretty good, isn't it? Abraham had zero. God gave him 100 and he gave back 10. So he's now got 90% of what God gave him. He's happy with that. Later on, God made it into a foundation of the nation of Israel to give back a tenth. He incorporated it into the law. And, of course, later on, a very famous verse that preachers use to twist people's arms into giving money is from Malachi 3. I'm not going to use it to twist your arm into doing anything this morning, but I want you to understand it. Malachi 3, verse 10 says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. So God says, when we give back that first 10%, he'll make sure that everything works out the way he designed it to, through blessing. Thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. This is the only verse I can find in the whole of the Bible where I can test God. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. So notice how God restates this principle of how much he wants to bless us in relation to us giving back that first 10%. And then in the church... In the New Testament, this principle goes even further because Paul urges us to give cheerfully and to sow bountifully. That's 2 Corinthians 9. He says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. No reluctance, no compulsion. I'm not compelling anybody to do anything. I'm simply explaining for you how God's system works. He wants to bless you far more than he's already blessed you. And he does it this way. And it says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. That's a lot of alls and a lot of everys. <laughs> and a lot of abounding. There's more than you or I could ever contain in terms of God's provision for us. 
He wants to supply all our needs. And God loves a cheerful giver. So in the church, it's more than just, did you do your tenth? <laughs> it's, how much can I give away out of the bounty of what God's given me and see what God does with it? That's the principle that God wants us to live by. But he knows it's a challenge, and that's why he wants us to talk about it in the church family like this, so we can help and encourage one another. Let's hear your testimony now, Jamie, if we may. Can we? You want to come on up? So um, probably this began in 2006 time frame. Um, I had um, been recently divorced and had turned back to the Lord, um, but I didn't really know about tithing. I went to a very large church with lots of resources and really kind of felt like I'm struggling. They've got all these resources just being thinking they don't really need my money. Um, so, which is very flawed thinking, um, but, um, anyway, so then, you know, I knew it was, then God started working on me. So then I was in a lot of debt, um, from just poor choices. So I, then I would try to tithe cause you would, I'd started hearing more, um, sermons about, um, tithing and how that God would bless you so then you know I would tithe off my take-home pay but then I wouldn't pay bills and it was just this vicious cycle you know I had kind of gone to my parents and didn't know what I was going to do I was living in a studio apartment not in a great area of town um, and they were raising my rent uh, my vehicle um, it did run but the windows wouldn't roll down and the air was broken. <laughs> so, um, but you know, I had to be patient and the Lord, I saw him just work out these things. Um, I actually was leading a small group at the time and the subject was tithing this particular week. And I freaked out <laughs> because I'm like, here I am going to lead these people on something I'm not doing that's biblical. And so I remember I went into church and I was about in tears and I didn't want to go in and listen to, cause we kind of like knew things ahead of time, what they were going to preach on. And so <laughs> I wanted to leave. Um, and like my associate pastor, you know, I kind of shared and he said, it's not condemning. He said, so he took my purse and put it behind the front counter. So I went in and listened. And so, yeah. I came back home and I just said, Lord, I said, you know, if this tithing thing, you know, you say test you in it, if this is of you, I just said, I don't know what to do because I'm in a bad spot. I said, I'm just going to start. And I don't, it's, before I say this, you know, this isn't a formula for anybody to follow. I feel like that the Lord honored this because I got my heart right. So I started with 1%. I started with a 10 to $11 check and I said, God, and I did it before taxes came out. I just said, Lord, I want to put you first. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm going to put you first. And each month I'm going to raise it to another percent. 
So at 3%, uh, by the time the third month came around, my parents contacted me and they had had this um, insurance policy on me that they cashed out and it was about $6,000. And they said, here, you know, this will help with some, some of your debt. And I was like, wow, this, this is working. <laughs> so I was able to pay on some debt and then, you know, I came to that in this studio apartment, they were, it was right when the housing um, industry was booming and they started raising rent. And I didn't know what I was going to do because it was being raised about $200 a month. So, yeah. So, um, I had a friend who was godly who invited me to room in her home at the same amount that I was paying before they were going to raise it. So that was a, another step. Um, my father in, ended up, he, he'd kind of told me that he was in process of selling some land so that there was a possibility that I would maybe get a car eventually once some of this land sold. But he told me I had to hang on, and he told me, too, now that I was out of some debt, I couldn't go get in more debt. <laughs> Um, by buying a, a car, you know, he was just, so he went and, uh, you know, during the time, because like I said, my windows written, sorry, this is taking longer. <laughs> the windows <laughs> wouldn't roll down and it was like the hottest fall that we had ever had. And so my father just, when I was home, like in September and he was like, you know, he goes, why don't you take my truck back that has air? He said, I work at night at the post office. He's like, I can just take your car up. And he said, here, you know. So because we were still waiting on the land to sell. So I ended up, eventually, I had a car given to me. You know, it wasn't my choice, and it was a very basic car, but it ran. It had air. And I was, and, you know, the thing was is that God is so, um, He's so faithful with what you want because actually at that time, I really wanted a Toyota Corolla, but you know, my father, he, you know, at that time that wasn't what was in the budget. So, um, and he, he got me a Ford, which it, it worked. It was a fun car to drive, but I really wanted a Corolla, but they ended up getting a Corolla. So <laughs> Ford, <laughs> <laughs> but forward two years later, um, I started, this is, I know I'm going, but I started getting, having some leg issues. And so my father felt so bad for me because he had kind of limited me on what he was going to buy that he ended up offering to buy me a new Corolla <laughs> within two years, which I ended up saying, no, you all buy the new car. I'll just take your Corolla. So I got the Corolla. Um, and I ended up, you know, just, it was just thing, thing after thing, you know, I lived in a godly environment. I had godly friends. Um, you know, we had a big community that would gather. Um, also I ended up, my aunt gave me her house. Um, she's still living in it even today, <laughs> wow. but she gave it to me. So I had two cars given to me. I had a house, then my grandfather had, um, or my grandparents passed. 
So I got an inheritance given to me. So I was able to buy my own house. You know, I did have a note on it. Um, so I had two houses, two cars. <laughs> and ultimately, by the time to go back, by the time it was at 7%, I was able to fully tithe. And I've just never um, stepped back from that. Even Robert and I realized recently that we... <laughs> We missed a tithe. We were out of town, and we're like, we need to pay that. <laughs> so, I mean, God is just so faithful with your desires, um, um, too. Even my house, you know, and I'm not saying this to brag. I just had always wanted a swimming pool, and I put in the house I was looking for in the pool to see what came up, and I found my house. <laughs> So I got to live there for four years, and then I married a man without a swimming pool. <laughs> but he had a... <laughs> um, but anyway, but he was... No, he is a beautiful house. And so even God's provided, you know, that to where we're in a good, good financial spot. There are things we need to work on, you know, with got to make sure you spend appropriately. But I just want to... Yeah, I know I've gone on, but... Um, I just, you know, give all the glory to God because he guided me every step of the way, and I just wanted to put him first, um, and he honored that. Awesome. Thank you, Jamie. You see, part of God's challenge to all of us in this building and gathering summer is I need to put my money where my heart is. Simply that. To say, God, I want to honor you. And I want to trust your timing. I love your story, Jamie, because it's all about God's timing, isn't it? It's not about what I can get. It's about how do I trust him. You see, time doesn't increase. We just have to choose how we spend it. But God wants to increase us all financially, even in a difficult season, which is what we're finding now with inflation and everything. It's a tough time for many people, but God wants to increase us financially, and he wants us to do it his way and not the world's way. And that's why we teach these things. We obey God's principles. We give back the first 10%, and we give freely above that, as God tells us, and then God can prosper us because he knows our hearts are in tune with his. I'll say more about this area next week because when we're looking at overcoming opposition then the stakes get a bit higher, but I'll come to that next week. The final thing I want us to focus on about how do I do my part is the whole area of community. And again, here I realize I'm preaching to the choir, so I'm only going to take two minutes on this. But my relationships express the kingdom. As you and I interact with one another, that's how the kingdom of God is expressed in the earth. Jesus didn't die for an organization. He died for a body. And you and I are the hands and feet and mouth and eyes of his body. And so we, as a community, are the ones who express the kingdom. My relationships, who I encounter God together with, like when we gather like this on a Sunday, but when we interact with one another during the week and the way that we are um, demonstrating the kingdom to those around us, whether it's at work or in our neighborhoods uh, or wherever we go, those areas of community. I'd love you to count as your homework how many times in chapter 3 it says, and next to him, dot, dot, dot. Because as each one builds, 
there's somebody next to him. And he's building, and there's somebody next to him. And the hymns include the hers as well, because there's several places where it talks about and the daughters. The ladies are involved as well. Uh, so it's not a men thing. But next to him, I need to recognize who's next to me. As you look at your life, who are you surrounded by? Jane and I do this quite often, actually. We're you know, driving in the car, talking about one of your, in good terms, let me, <laughs> but just how fortunate, how blessed, how thankful we are for the people God has placed in our lives. And strategizing, how can we be a blessing to those people? And I commend that to you. Now, don't forget the one person who's always with you, Holy Spirit, living in you, is also a friend, and you're part of that community also. Because God is community. You've heard me say that many times. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and us is the community of God. So remember, yeah, he's in you and with you all the time, but also look around you at who has God placed around you? Who has God connected you with? Because I need others around me so that we can all enjoy liberty together. Because like I said at the beginning, independence is not the goal. It's not to be me by myself on my own over here doing my thing. God doesn't want that. The only place you can find that in the Bible is in Isaiah 14, where Satan says, I will make myself like the Most High. <laughs> I'm going to set myself apart, do my thing. God is a community, and he's the opposite of that. But liberty comes from constant relationship with God through the, the Holy Spirit living in you as well as healthy relationships with others in a, in a church family that lives to touch the world around us. And that's what our goal is in our building and gathering. Uh, don't light a fire on the beach because it's actually against the laws in Myrtle Beach, but, but by all means gather on the beach or gather off the beach. If you want to have a fire, go to somebody's home and have a fire, but gather that's why we didn't just call this a summer of building. It's a summer of building and gathering. It's a catch the fire. That's a catch-the-fire gathering. Yes, it is. That's why we use that picture a lot. We want everybody to enjoy true liberty. On this weekend when we're celebrating liberty, whenever you wave a flag or light a firework or eat a hot dog, celebrate also the liberty you have to be connected into the body and for every one of us to do our part. So, we're going to arise and build. What I'd like you to do, finally, because I'm going to stop, is pick someone, maybe pick two if you want to, but pick one at least. Pick someone, ask them to join hands with you, and agree with you about work and time, and finances, and community. Those four things where we each want to play our part. Whichever of those has spoken to you the most strongly this morning, have someone agree with you. Preferably not the person that you live with all the time. Because I'd like you as your homework. It's okay, you can talk to the person that you live with all the time on the way home. That's okay. But find somebody else as well, because I'd like you to check in with each other during the week. So agree with each other. 
about your work or about the way you use your time or about the way God wants to bless you in your finances or in the way God wants you to play your part in community. Find somebody close to you here that you feel comfortable with. Join hands and pray for each other and agree with each other and then find a way to check in with each other during the week to see how it's going. Okay? Go ahead and do that and we'll be dismissed.